You know the scripture reading, Hebrew 11.1, 1, it says, Faith is a substance of things hoped for, and it is evidence of things not seen. We have that hope. We have that belief. And it reminds me of a story. And my understanding, this is a true story. It reminds me of this father who loved his daughter so much. And it was on Thanksgiving Eve. And he puts her to bed. And he hugs her. And he tells her he loves her. As she falls asleep, he thinks about the things that he needs for that Thanksgiving dinner the next day. The grocery store is right around the corner from his house. He leaves, he goes to the grocery store. He's in line, he's picking up the different things that he needs. And as he gets through that cash register, he sees these bright red lights go past the windows, glass. A fire truck, a siren, noise. As he walks out, he looks to see where this truck is going, this fire truck. And it goes directly to his house. He drops that bag of groceries. He races home to see his house engulfed in flames. His first thought was his daughter. How can I save her? See, it was engulfed. The doors were burning up. The fire was out of control. He had no way to get inside. Then from the second story window, he heard his daughter calling out. Father, Father, I can't see you. Let us pray. Dear Lord, what an amazing God we serve. Our hearts are overwhelmed with thankfulness for all that you do. You are with us even when we don't realize this. The evidence is all around Lord, I ask that you hide me behind the cross, that you are glorified, and that the message today will soften someone, that they will want to know you. Amen. You know, today was a tough decision. I didn't know what to name the title. I didn't know what to call it. You know, it was drawn, the passage I was drawn to was the crumbs off the table. But as I read, I could have named this sermon Faith of a Mother. I could have named it Outsider. I called my sister, and uh, I always enjoy her input. And she said, oh, what faith. I want you to begin this journey with me, and I will, you will be in the Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew 15, so if you'll turn there with me. 
We're going to start with verse 21. We see Jesus leaves this Jewish area. And he went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sedan. Tyre was a heathen city with its harbor full of shipping, commerce, activity. I want to give you a little history because Tyre, which was in Canaan, actually helped build the temple years ago. It supplied the lumber. In Chronicle 2.16, we see King Hiram of Tyre and Canaan helped build that temple. In verse 3, in Second Chronicle verse 3, we see he also supplied the lumber to help build King David's house. There was a relationship. And unless we continue to work on our relationships, they can and will fall apart. And we see this because King Nebuchadnezzar attacks Jerusalem. And Tyre, who used to be a friend, supported Babylon and said, death to Jerusalem. In the invasion, I'm building the background. In the invasion, the Jewish people were raped. They were murdered. Their land was destroyed, and the people were taken away from their homeland, what they knew and what they understood. Hopefully that will give you a little understanding of why the Jewish people distrust, disliked the Canaanites. And Canaan is now is located only 12 miles north of Jerusalem. But Jesus doesn't do anything by coincidence, does he? Or accidents. He had a reason to go to Canaan. Not only to find rest, but to prepare the disciples for their mission that all people, all people were children of God. Jesus wanted to break down these barriers that existed, that separated people from one another, Jews and Christians. This story, as I dug deep, I begin to see something else in it. It's a story of no matter where you are, where you've been, and what you've done, when you come to Jesus, you can find hope. Amen? In Matthew 15, 22. It says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region, and she cried out, saying, Have mercy on me. Oh, Lord, now don't miss this. Son of David, my daughter is severely possessed. Lord, have mercy on me. Have compassion on a desperate mother. See, when she came to Jesus... Most people looked at her 
she was considered an offender. Not because she was. It was because of the region she came from. She was from the wrong area. She was from the wrong side of the track. We all need Jesus. We've all sinned. Hasn't Jesus been telling his disciples that all can come to him? This mother in the eyes of the disciples had the nerve to approach Jesus. Canaanite, an idol worshiper, a heathen. She was excluded, unaccepted, cast away. She didn't meet the standards. She had three strikes already in her life by the disciples' perspective. She was a Gentile. She was a demon-possessed daughter who wasn't accepted by the family. Probably wasn't accepted by the neighbors. Probably wasn't accepted by her friends. So I would imagine this woman had no friends. She lived in a society in that time period where that woman was considered a commodity. But one thing she was, she was a mother in a desperate situation. She was looking as an outsider into a church of insiders. You know, the ones who have that message, that message of hope. The question in her mind was not if Jesus could help. She believed. She had faith. The question in her mind, would Jesus help a Canaan woman? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like an outsider? Looking in, not accepted, unworthy, an outcast of society? I remember myself. I come from that area, not accepted. I was playing ball at 12 years old. They kind of came, the little league team that wanted me to play for them came and got me because I lived on the other side of the track. I said, sure, I'll play. While other kids had a ride or their parents would take them, I would hitchhike at 12 to the games. Or I would walk. And I often wondered in the moments how it would be. To have parents who would cheer me on, who would support me. See, I felt like an outsider looking into the society that was acceptable. Even at that tender young age, I knew that I was accepted in certain places, such as the baseball field. But I knew I was not accepted 
to associate with them children off the baseball field. What's your story? But you know what? God is good. There are some good Adventists, or there were some good Jewish people who lived in this area. In my case, it was a missionary doctor and his wife. This desperate mother heard the story of Jesus. She's heard of his miracles and good works. Remember she called Jesus the son of David? The stories have preceded Jesus to this region. How this prophet has healed all manner of diseases. And she called out to Jesus. She was determined to present her daughter's case to him. She knew that her only hope was Jesus for a better future. Oh, I also know of a desperate mother, an outsider, an outcast of society. I also know of a mother's love for her children, one that would give up everything to support them. I stand here as one of her sons today. See, Jesus knew my mother, and Jesus knew this Canaan mother. And he, she had a, he had a longing to see her. She's heard the stories of those who came to Jesus for healing. They were rich. They were poor. They were believers. They were non-believers. They were black. And they were white. They were from the island. They were women of the night, improperly dressed. And they were also proper ladies. Jesus, as I said, never does anything. This was not a coincidence. He had a desire. He had a mission. And it was to teach the disciples the ignorance existing to the very neighbors next door. The disciples have been given every opportunity to understand the truth. Yet, we're without the knowledge or the compassion for the neighbors those from the wrong side, those from the wrong culture, those from the wrong side of that track. Whether we want to admit it or not, mercy, say, ouch. Do we put up walls? Do we let our perception, perceptions get in the way of self? Does our pride stand in the way of tra- tradition? Were they that, weren't the disciples more righteous than others? Were they not Jewish? I'm not beating up on the Jews now. I'm Jewish, by the way. I'm out of the Gilman family out of Fall River, Mass. Okay? I'm just reading the scriptures and telling you what's in the scriptures because they were felt more worthy than others. They didn't have that sympathy for the world around them. They were making no effort outside their own little circle, outside the church's walls. Some even believed you had to be a member, a good Adventist. Oh, I mean a good Jew, forgive me. I know there's nobody in here like this. In order to even be considered to be saved. Then, if you were a good Jew... You had to live up to the Mosaic law. 
Do you know how many laws were in the Mosaic law? 611. How about our church manual? It's pretty thick, ain't it? How do we come up with all these things and God does it in one page? Ten verses. But we got books upon books upon books and laws upon laws that you have to do or have to be. No wonder people get so caught up trying to earn salvation with all their might and with all their power and all their strength. I'm here to tell you, you can't be good enough to deserve salvation. It's a gift. It's made possible by Calvary with the sacrifice of Jesus. That's who justifies us by His righteousness. So it's hard to understand. It's hard to comprehend the love that would cause the Father and Son to agree to such a sacrifice. It's beyond my comprehension that He would send His Son to die for me. I want to read verse 23. But He answered her. This is Jesus now. Not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away. She's a pain. She's trouble. She's loud. And Jesus was acting as any good Jew would. What did he do? He completely ignores this woman. And she cries out. When I read that, I said, Whoa! That's not the Jesus I know. He was indifferent. Or worse, it seemed as if Jesus rejected the cry of a mother. And guess what? The disciples feed off this. They gathered together. They were so impressed. They received of his cold and hotless manner. And they said, let's get rid of this woman. Jesus, you want us to get her out of here? Because we understand we know. We realize. I want you to watch something as this story progresses. In her adversity, in the silence of Jesus, her faith grows. In her rejection, her faith becomes stronger. She knows. She believes. Only the master can rebuke the demon and her daughter. You know, this silent, when I read it, really made me think. My wife says when I get thinking too much, I normally, you behave, I normally get in trouble. But I had to think and I had to peel the onion back. How do we feel when we cry out to Jesus? And it seems as if the answer is met with silence. Jesus, are we rejected? Jesus, are you too busy right now? I get it. Just send me a text. Let me know. How about give me a call later? I know, could it be bad timing? You remember the girl, the young 
baby on that ledge, Father, where are you? Father, where are you? Then I look at this woman, and her faith grows. She doesn't leave. She clings to what she knows. She knows Jesus is her only hope. And it's not what she feels. It's what she knows. In verse 24, But he answered and said, Jesus again, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Whew, amen. It seems as if Jesus gives this woman a second rebuke after his silence. My commitment and reason I'm here is I'm sent for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It seems like this is in accordance with the prejudice of the Jews. In reality, as we dig further, we're going to realize it was a rebuke, not to this young lady, but it was a rebuke to the disciples. Jesus has told them many times he has come to save all who would accept and repent. In their own perceptions, the disciples has come to the conclusion this woman, this mother of a demon-possessed child probably deserved it. Mercy. He's in jail. Probably deserves it. He's homeless. Why not get a job? She's a Gentile. She's a woman in a society where she's a commodity. She comes from Canaan. How do we look at our others in our society? What prejudices are we holding on to? Are we judging she or her not worthy? They'll never give their heart to Christ. Why waste the time? Look how she's dressed. Look at the color of her hair. Look at their lifestyle. Look where she comes from. In John 1, 46, when I thought about that, and it says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Correct? And we say we don't have any prejudice. We're not like others. We're especially not like those disciples, are we? In verse 25, then she comes and worships him. Lord, help me. Wow. This woman has been met with silence. She's been met with rejection. She's been rebuked. And how does she respond? She steps in front of Jesus' path. She falls on her knees and she worships, pleading for Jesus to help her. Have you seen the journey? In verse 22 we read, she acknowledges Jesus as what? The son of David, right? 
Now, in verse 25, she acknowledges Jesus as God, and she worships him. What is our response when we feel that silence, that rejection because of sin, or when we're rebuked? Do we let self get in the way? Does our pride come forward? Anybody else been there? Then we look at verse 26. And Jesus again speaks. It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. It's not right to take the family dinner and give it to dogs. It's not right to give a blessing that was given to God's favor people and give it to an unaccepted heathen woman such as yourself. Back then, dogs were considered unclean. By the way, I don't want you to think I'm beating up on dogs. Uh, I have a dog. His name is Beckham. He was named after the soccer player. But these were stern words. What we don't know, as you read this, we don't know the tone that Jesus was using. I found that interesting. Because I see this lady from Canaan, she gets hope. Jesus has acknowledged her, and Jesus couldn't hide his compassion in his eyes. She saw an opportunity has come. While we get discouraged when things don't go right in church, the music's a little bit loud doesn't fit the mode. The sermon's a little bit too long. By the way, I'm not going to be long today. The ministries, we find fault with one another. We take our eyes off Jesus and we put them on what we desire, what we expect, what we want. Yet this woman, with the love of a mother, She didn't get discouraged. She got encouraged. She didn't see rejection. She saw an opportunity. She didn't put her eyes on self. She kept her eyes on her only hope. And that was Jesus. With this silent and what seemed like the rejection, it gave her that hope. It reminded me of Jen Carey. I was told this. I didn't see this movie. I have a disclaimer here. The movie is called Dumber and Dumber. I haven't seen it. Uh, and the reason is, that when I started watching it, it was dumb. <laughs> but they tell me that Jim Carey walks up to this beautiful lady. And he says, what are the chances of you and me going out? Hmm. She looked, 
and she didn't speak. Finally, she opened up and she said to Jim, she said, it's one in a million. And Jim goes, yes! See, he had hope. If it was only one in a million, most people see it as a rejection. But Jim saw it as a chance, however slim it was. And this young lady, if it was one in a million, she was going to hold on. She was going to go on with that hope. And then she answers Jesus in verse 27. And she says, yes, Lord, even little dogs eat the crumbs which falls from the master's table. That's true. Family dogs are taken care of by their owners. Anybody else have dogs in here or animals? Everybody who has a pet, raise your hand. You can relate. Five years ago, I couldn't relate. And then uh, my wife, I was flying out to California the night before. And my wife and my granddaughter. And I was kind of vulnerable at that time because I was going and they were not going. And I was going on a vacation. And I didn't invite them. But they said, listen, we really want a dog. And do you mind if we just stop on the way home at the pet store? And I said, bingo, this can't hurt. This is great. Sure, I can take 10 minutes. So we stop. We walk in. No intentions of buying a dog. And the woman, the owner of the shop, goes, Hello, Kathy. Hey, Brooke. I think I was set up. <laughs> Anyhow, we have a dog, and I have fallen in love with him. And we do take care of him. And he is not given leftovers, but a lot of people give leftovers. Yes, if she was considered a dog... An outsider, then she had the right to the crumbs. Unworthy, unacceptable, yet while the children of the household eat at the father's table, even the dogs are not left unfed. We bring them in at night. We care for them. Sometimes we treat them better than the family at the table, our spouses, our children. One of the things I usually do is I walk in a house and, and I, I'll see my dog and him and I are pretty tight now. And I'll say, hey, beautiful. And in the back room, I'll hear this voice say, I'm in here, honey. <laughs> Correct, I'm coming. I want to break it down. While we have many blessings and many blessings were given to Israel, wasn't there a blessing? Wasn't there a piece of crumb? Wasn't there some leftover? Wasn't there a morsel to be given to her from the master's table? I would dare say today that many of us are here today because they were given some crumbs off the table. Maybe in the form of friendship. Maybe a kind word. 
Maybe a helping hand. Maybe prayer. Someone showed compassion in the time of need. When was the last time that you took your time out just to give some crumbs, a helping hand to someone off your table? I want us to remember what we just read. This mother was desperate, and she was met with silence. She was rejected. She was rebuked, and her reaction was hope. In verse 28, we see Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. Amen. Jesus couldn't hide his true nature. And I imagine with tears with kindness, with compassion. Your faith is strong. And I really do care about you. And I care about your daughter. And she is well at this very time. She believed that Jesus would do what he said he would do. Amen? And Jesus' mission all along was to relieve this afflicted woman. His desire from the beginning was to comfort and at the same time leave an example for you and I. An example of mercy, not only for the disciples. In Mark 7.30, it tells us how this story ends. When she walked into her home, there was a peace. The devil was gone. Her daughter laid up in the comfort of her bed, and that daughter was healed. The disciples realized that this lesson was for them, not that cold culture bias of hatred that they held in their heart, but the love, the compassion, the same love and compassion that Jesus had for them, he held for others. And the message wasn't an excluded message only for the Jewish people or only for Adventists. It was for all people. No matter of their culture, their religion, there are many sheep I do not have in this fold. And as our mission, not to sermonize, it's our mission to tell them about the good news. See, Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon. And we don't know the exact date, but I can tell you it's one day closer than yesterday. In society, they view this woman as not accepted. She didn't meet the requirements of men. This kind of prejudice is hateful in God's eyes. No matter discouragement that she may have felt, or the appearance of rejection, she trusted that Savior's love. In Jesus' view, she was a soul to be saved. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, today, 
we have many lessons to learn. And I advocate to you, we have many more to unlearn. Those who think they will never have to give up a church view, not have to change an opinion, will be disappointed. Because as long as we hold on to our ideas, our own opinions, we can't please God. You remember I started with the story of that little girl? You thought I was going to leave you there, right? I'm not going to. Because as she cried out and said, Daddy, where are you? The father screamed back, I'm here. I'm right here. The fumes, the smoke, the fire was ablaze. And that little girl couldn't see her father. She cried out. She said, Daddy... can't see you. Where are you? And with reassurance, the father said, I can see you. I'm right here. Jump. This young lady had a choice, just as you and I have a choice. Her choice was to have faith. Her choice was to jump. Her choice was either to jump in faith or die in the flames. And not able to see her father, she stepped out in faith. The father braced himself, broke this little girl's fall in tears. In both their eyes, they rejoiced. And they hugged each other. And our Father is just waiting for us with open arms because He wants to rejoice with us. Sometimes we feel like we can't see Him. Sometimes we're met with silence. But He's there. And He's just waiting. In Hebrew 11.1, 1, it's by, what was the scripture? Evidence of things not seen. In John 6.38, we see that Jesus came to do his Father's world, and that is to save sinners, and that's us. And in John 6.51, that is to give eternal life. There's times in your life when you feel alone. You feel as though you're an outsider. You feel unworthy, unacceptable. You feel like maybe you've gone too far. You're from the wrong culture. You're an outcast. You not feel like you're not good enough. And some of you have been struggling with your face because you've been in the face so long. It's what you do now. It's out of tradition. And Jesus, he's just waiting for you. I'm here. I'll catch you. I'll break your fall. Believe in me. Have faith. 
Hebrew 11.6, it says, without faith it's impossible. It's impossible. What a strong word. Impossible to please God. Will you at this time just raise your hand and say, Lord, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that you sent your son and I accept you by faith. Will you raise your hand with me and do that testimony? See, Jesus sees every hand that is up. Praise God. Praise God. Dear Lord, we serve an amazing God. We serve a God that sees us. Yes, we're so undeserving. But you have accepted us in the righteousness of Jesus. His blood covers us. And we are so grateful and thank you during this season that you would send your son for us. We praise you because you are worthy of praise. And we know that we are in your hands. Amen.